the free for all roundtable round two on round two today Pamela Palmater is a lawyer, professor, and activist. Tim Hudak, former leader of the Ontario Conservatives. Now he's at the Ontario Real Estate Association. Mark Mendelson is our crime specialist at News Talk 1010, also a former homicide detective. Uh, happy Thursday. Happy gift of giving to y'all. It's good that you're here, and there are things going on in the news. Let's actually start with my favorite clip of the day, because it's always funny. I wouldn't say he lost his cool, but John Tory kind of decided he'd had enough of the whole strong mayor debate and he thought that the press gallery was uh, ragging the puck. I'll just tell you something. I go, you, you comment all the time, well, and, uh, because it's just a fact that I go all around the city to all kinds of events with all kinds of people from every different walk of life, every different community. You know who uh, talks to me about Bill 39? Nobody. They talk to me about housing. They talk to me about community safety. Nobody talks to me about it. Nobody. I mean, so Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. We're done here. Uh, I'm Tim Hudak, you, you know, spent time behind a microphone talking to pesky members of the press. I guess you may be sympathetic. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's a bit of the adage, um, you know, if the tree falls in the forest, right, does anybody hear it? And so you get so many questions in a press conference, and if you get repeated questions, for sure, it can get under your skin. The challenge is, and John Torrey is usually exemplary at this, you just got to stay calm. Because if you just answer the question, even though it's tedious... Uh, in a straightforward way, it doesn't make the media. But when you snap like that, it does, right? So the story gets yep. uh, additional legs. But but look, I think the more important issue here is um, legislation is needed to speed up things like housing that people can't afford. I think John Tory will be judged on how he uses those new powers judiciously for projects people can wrap their heads around, or will it be abused? I think the test of time of this legislation, John, is exactly when John Tory uses this tool and how. Okay, let me ask you, based on your expertise, um, how significant is what they did yesterday? yesterday, which was to effectively uh, make it, uh, it, to lift a ban in some quarters of Toronto on rooming houses. It's an important step. Uh, look, that was one piece there, but I think that is part of the uh, housing spectrum. There's some people who just can't afford to have a place of their own. They can't get in a market-based rental, and that is an option. Uh, I thought that we saw some exciting progress there, John, though, on what we call getting rid of exclusionary zoning, right? Allowing more homes to be built on uh, on properties, provided they fit with public safety laws. That's going to be entry-level housing for more people to get into the marketplace, and also more alternatives for quality rentals in every neighborhood. I, I I really like John Tory's plan and hats off for the, the, the boldest housing plan we see in a municipality yet. Okay, we won't um, dwell on the mayor's shirtiness for too long, but I wanted Pamela and Mark to have their digs. Uh, Pamela Palmater? Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, it's, it's the height of arrogance for any politician to think that they've talked to everyone and no one has said something. I mean, we all know that's not true. How many people does he meet face-to-face on a daily basis or a monthly basis? I'm sure a fraction of a percent of Torontonians. And him saying that actually ignores all of the people writing about it, speaking out about this bill, um, concerns about this bill, and, and ignores actually the media. So it's, again, the detachment of politicians from the people that they're supposed to serve. And although, Mark Mendelson, it can be argued that uh, we in the media get kind of pointy-headed about things that yeah. nobody's talking about at dinner. Well, in, in that respect, I think it's probably true. Nobody I know uh, is, is, has really talked about these new powers. I think the last uh, the last time that he says nobody will probably end up on a commercial for Bad Boy. No! Last, <laughs> last one will be grabbing on to that one. <laughs> 
But, but having said that, I got to agree with Tim as well. I mean, I, I think we have to wait and see uh, when when Tory, you know, decides to pull the proverbial trigger on this, and there'll be probably litigation of their arguments about it, what have you, and a test of the, of his new powers. We'll have to wait and see. And hopefully, he he when he does use it, he uses it judiciously. Um, let's stick with housing for a moment, and I'll come back to you, Tim Hodak, because again, Ontario Real Estate Association. Um, the cost of rentals in the city of Toronto, I mean, also in Vancouver, but we're more concerned with uh, Toronto for obvious reasons. Uh, the cost of rentals is skyrocketing, in some cases year to year, by like 20 to 25 percent. Supply and demand, John. It, it, the problem is that we have not been building enough uh, homes, especially for first-time home buyers, and clearly not enough rentals over the last uh, 20 years plus. We have more demand in the market and fewer places to go. And this, when you think of that, the housing um, is a spectrum, right along the line. So if you have pressure in one area, it will then hit another. So if people can't get into homes that they own, they stay in rentals longer. And if you can't get into a rental, then you'll stay in social housing longer. And it ultimately spills down to the most vulnerable among us who end up without any kind of shelter uh, at all. So so what do you do about this? Number one, uh, the, build, the government has moved with the More Homes Built Faster Act in a big way on rentals. So that means waiving development charges, for example, or lowering development charges, I should say, for rental units, particularly those that are going to have multiple bedrooms uh, in them to fit that market demand, and also to waive hearings for units that are going to be 10 or fewer. That was an important step forward that we recommended in the Housing Affordability Task Force. So until we're going to have a problem with this until we actually start getting more shovels in the ground. And the bill is a really good step forward in that direction. Mark Mendelson, when I see that a one-bedroom apartment rents for basically almost $2,600 a month in Toronto, it's very clear why some people can't find housing. Exactly. The prices are, are what they are. And as, as Tim said, whatever whatever you can get, you can get as a landlord. I have a very good friend of mine just downsized now, and he's been looking for a one-bedroom apartment. And the last time he put an offer in, there were eight offers in front of him. So these people are commanding whatever they want because there, there is a huge demand and, and, and not as much supply. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's the people that can't afford these these types of rents, these two thousand dollar a month, uh, you know, uh, tickets that they've got to pay. Where are they going, right? And, and and is there is there enough affordable housing for these people? Forget about middle income and upper middle income. They'll always find a place, but it's people who are below that line. They're going to really going to feel the pinch. Pamela, it really is staggering to look at some of these figures. I gave the figure. It's 2551 bucks is the average rent for a one-bedroom. Two-bedroom rent in Toronto, 3363 It's not affordable. Exactly, which is why I don't live in downtown Toronto. Uh, you cannot afford that with a family, even with good incomes. And so you've got this conflict between housing as a commodity and everyone focusing on, oh, let's just build more houses and destroy the wetlands versus housing as a human right, which has been a part of Canada's legal system for decades, and we've all seemed to forgotten about. Those two things don't go together. And so if, if we're going to develop anything, the focus has to be on all of the people who critically need housing. Let's uh, take the discussion to Ottawa. And Pamela, there is a move afoot to effectively expand the perimeter of the Parliament buildings and take over two streets in Ottawa. The idea is in the future it'd be easier to control something like the convoy protest. But I suppose some people who are wary of government and, you know, declarations about taking property from one jurisdiction to another would have objections. 
Well, there's a lot more considerations. I mean, right now, uh, governments and, of course, police forces are desperate to look like they're making changes to address what happened with the convoy. That, that was all their own failures for acting. These changes aren't go- wouldn't change that if the police weren't acting, for example. But you also have to be wary. It's a legitimate concern by human rights advocates of security creep. Just how far are we going to allow security uh, and intelligence and and police to creep into our neighborhoods? And has anyone talked to the local First Nation about this and what their feelings are? Because remember, this is all unceded territory. Uh, Mark Mandelson, your thought. Well, I think this is a reaction to the disaster that we yeah. saw at the convoy when there was such a, a, a lack of operational planning from from the from the Ottawa police. And then there was all the miscommunication and puffing of feathers between the OPP and the RCMP and Ottawa and Toronto and York and whoever else sent officers up there. Uh, so now what they're trying to do is design some kind of plan where it's going to be delineated as to who's got authority on, on, on what particular piece of, uh, of roadway in, in, in front of the parliament buildings. It, um, you know, these are things that, that, you know, can be done without enacting new laws. I mean, the, problem we saw at the convoy john as we've often talked about is that they, they they made them they made the huge mistake of allowing them to set up camp right away and and bring those trucks in these are operational things this does not require new law and this really is quite literally tim hudak real estate it, it is. And, you know, often my instincts are in the way of being wary of government imposing more controls uh, over privately held land. But but I, I do think that at least there's, I, I'm happy to think you through this for, for two reasons. Number one, we, de- we need to take security increasingly seriously. Trucker convoy is one incident, but not too long ago, right, with the shootings on Parliament Hill, the death of Nathan Cirillo. So looking at this from a security point of view is sensible to me. Here's my bigger picture, though, John. I, I, our capital's beautiful, but when you walk into to Washington, D.C., and you see the National Mall and all that property, you know, protected by the federal government. It is gorgeous. It is awe-inspiring. It is magnificent. So the notion that we create something even better around Parliament Hill, I, I do like that as a long-term goal. Folks, thank you all very much. we got to call it there because we're making way for the 9 a.m. news, but my thanks to Pamela Palmater, Mark Mendelson, and Tim Hudak.